welcome to Movie Interrupted, the podcast that interrupts your day to talk movies. I'm Luke Ryan, and in today's episode, we'll be discussing the latest Pixar film on Disney Plus, Elemental, followed by a recommendation for you. But first, in movie news, after 148 days, the writer's strike is over. The Writers Guild and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television have agreed to a provisional three-year contract that addresses three main issues. These are protection against the encroachment of artificial intelligence on writers' work, residual payments on shows on streaming platforms, and staffing minimums for writer rooms. The future of AI and residuals has been a common issue for both the Writers and the Screen Actors Guilds. Currently, the Screen Actors Guild are still on strike as negotiations continue. Now, what does this mean for your favourite show? Well, it seems production of products will commence and creation of new shows, new episodes can resume. But until the actor strike ends, nothing new will be getting made. It seems the more you read about both of these strikes, you get the sense that AI, along with streaming services, has really thrown a wrench into the typical way that writers and actors maintain their living and um, protect their creativity. You think with the production of AI, the more products we're going to see that have been delegated to AI and then just improved by a writer rather than just a full original work. We're also seeing with the introduction of streaming services and a lot of films that go straight to streaming, we don't see those typical box office numbers. And so it's been really hard for a lot of actors, producers, directors to really evaluate how much they're worth. You know, places like Netflix and Disney Plus have been quite closed-chested with how much money they're actually bringing in and how much money they can attribute to each product on their service. You've got to wonder, you know, how much money are they actually getting because streaming services prices are quite low and you think, especially when you think of the movie that we're talking about today's podcast, how much money that took to create. And I was able to watch it multiple times for my monthly price of $13.95 or whatever. It is. How do they pay people properly on that amount of money? And I think as an audience, our behavior with movies has certainly changed. I know for me, when I look at the box office now, especially being uh, time poor with a young family, I look at a movie and go, what's a movie I need to see on a big screen? What's a movie I need to see for the crowd experience? And then what's something that will be fine to catch on streaming? I'm not going to be missing out. And I think that completely changes the type of films that we used to see. And on top of that, you have corporate greed. That's really digging into these residuals that actors used to rely on. We really hope that the uh, Screen Actors Guild will be able to come to a mutual agreement very soon and the production of shows won't be halted too much. But more importantly, I really hope that these groups are able to find a way to coexist with this new technology and um, utilize it to their benefit without losing too much money.
Now, today's film is Elemental, and it's Pixar's latest film to hit Disney+. Plus. Uh, its box office release came out in September of 2023. It grossed around $489 million. And while that sounds pretty substantial, it really wasn't a massive hit at the box office, but it did well over time. It's, it's the type of film that's considered a sleeper hit. Now, Elemental tells the story of an unlikely pair, Ember and Wade, in a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together. Ember and her family live in the fire part of town. Ember's been struggling with her temper, and as her opportunity to take over the family shop gets closer and closer, that temper rises and rises. After one explosive temper burst, Wade bursts into the scene through a broken pipe, and the two elementals who don't normally engage must fight to fix the pipes and save Ember's family shop. Now, the thing that really sets this movie apart is the character development. It's really centered on Wade and Ember, and then the secondary characters are probably their family members, more more so Ember, who is the fire family, because we're really getting that cultural dynamic. And then we have the juxtaposition of Wade's family, which is a polar opposite, not just in element, but in the way they talk to each other, the way they support each other, and who they are as a family unit. We have a few side characters, but they kind of come in at different points, and so it's it's really positive in a way because it doesn't muddle it too much. You can really delve into these characters and learn who they are and start to get invested in in what they're going through. Uh, with Pixar, you are expecting fantastic animations and the visuals of the water with Wade, but in particular the embers fire, is quite captivating. I found myself at different parts in the film where uh, perhaps the story slowed or I was able to kind of roam my eye a little bit, that um, Ember's fires were just really interesting the way they animated it. And then Pixar doesn't um, let an opportunity go where they can really demonstrate that they can animate water. You know, if you know anything about animation, animating moving water in different forms is one of the hardest things you can do because it looks so unreal if you get it wrong. Multiple times they tackle this um, challenge and successfully deliver. Uh, the trains in particular in the elemental city travel upon like a canal of water. And as they travel, it creates a waterfall that kind of falls down over the top of this. Um, I guess it's kind of like a metro line or a subway line. Not a subway line, a monorail line. It falls down and creates kind of a waterfall as it goes. It's absolutely stunning, but it also kind of gives you this kind of setup into the world that Ember lives in, in that you think the public transport is dominated by water. You know, she has to travel on a train, on water, and the water is something that can destroy her. You know, she has to watch if the train's going past, because if she's right under that bridge and the waterfall hits her, she's gone. And so... If you think about those sorts of things that are inbuilt into this world, you get the sense that Ember and her family are really immigrants to this world. They don't uh, click cohesively with the environment that they're in. They are outsiders. 
And you get that sense when they describe the town that they're in and that they stick to their own, they stick to their own people. And the real opposition that you see when they interact with other people, you know, the fire people, while being very dangerous to a lot of the other people, especially the, um, the land or the wood people, they're really kind of frowned upon. And so you get this buildup of, of immigration and the, the world kind of designed against you. And how does Ember's family, who have traveled to this new world, assimilate while still maintaining their heritage? And that's kind of the deeper meaning that filters through this whole movie. And um, I'm, I was quite laughing at myself when this movie came out because as I watched the film, I'm trying to work out, okay, Ember's family is probably based off the writer or the director's family and their family's um, struggles dealing with immigration, moving to a new land. And for whatever reason, I thought they were kind of of a Latin, Spanish nationality. Um, it was something to do with the dad's voice. I just got those vibes. But then once I researched it, I, I came to learn that it was more of a probably an Asian Chinese, Korean, something along those lines, especially with the bow that the dad talks about and how he paid respects to his family and didn't get that in return. But my father did not return the bow, did not give me his blessing. He say, if we leave Fireland, we will lose who we are. <laughs> they never got to see all of this. They didn't get to see that I never forgot we are fire. This is burden I still carry. Ember, it now, is important. One of the big know. questions I had with this film is as Pixar kind of delves into these multicultural worlds and they tell different stories from different places, I sometimes wonder who's the audience for these films? You know, I watched probably half of this with my six-year-old and it glazed straight over his head. He knew nothing about the meaning that was going on. I think he was just interested because it was a pretty film. But he didn't laugh. He didn't smile. He didn't express any emotion. And so it made me thought that perhaps this elemental film really isn't for kids. And I think that's kind of been a problem that's been starting to build in the Pixar lineup is that they're really going for these emotional meanings, these emotional stories that are now telling multicultural stories, but they're really delivered for the adults. You know, you think about Soul, you think about Elemental. All of these films are dealing with such big concepts that really only an adult can appreciate them. And I thought in particular for Elemental, this would have been a great film for a teenager to see. But would a teenager go and see a Pixar film? I don't know. You know, certainly not the teenager who needs to see this film and then talk about this to learn more about, you know, a family's immigration journey and how hard it is to assimilate. I don't think adults would go and see this film. I mean, certainly the diehard Pixar people would, but it certainly wasn't on my radar until it popped up on Disney+. Plus. Um, the trailer did nothing to advertise this film and promote it um, to tell this type of story. So it makes me wonder, has Pixar kind of lost the ball 
I've spoken in previous episodes about how Pixar really hasn't been able to capture the greatness it once had. And of course, that's going to be an impossible task. The the company has had turnaround of directors, producers, and creative people. And so to produce the same standard just isn't there. But that doesn't mean what they're producing isn't bad. I think they just need to focus on going back towards children and having that deeper meaning that the adults pick up on being more subtle. Because we take the kids to see the Pixar films. As adults, I don't think we're typically going to go and see an animated film that is muddled in, is it an adult film, is it a kid's film? I don't know. Tell me what your thoughts are as uh, you see Elemental on Disney+. Plus. Now, back to some of Pixar's best. This week's recommendation is the Pixar short Piper. It's one of Pixar's best and most beautiful shorts. And as I've said before, you know, Pixar love to show that they can animate water. This is another one of those. It's a standout in the way they tell the story of this little ocean bird without any words. And it's fantastic for kids. I'm constantly on the lookout for media that doesn't spell out all of the story Children in particular must look and think about the character's expression, their body language, the context of the story to gain that deeper meaning. It's no surprise that this short won the Academy Award for Best Short Film in 2017. Check out Piper's, check out Pixar's Piper on Disney Plus or check the show notes for the YouTube link. You've been listening to Movie Interrupted, a Tum Drum podcast. Learn more about the show at Instagram.com slash Tum Drum Media and see the other podcasts available now. I'm Luke Ryan and thanks for listening. <laughs>